Hello, hello, my let's keep it real people. All right, so let me ask you, how many times have you heard, it's all who you know, it's all who you know, they are the people that have your back. Well, yes, you have to be talented and good at what you do. But the more people that you have a connection with, right? The more doors open up for you personally and professionally. Well, my peeps at Let's Keep It Real, you've done that for me. Man, oh man, I'm going to keep singing your praises. I just love you guys. The doors that are opening up for me because of you with my keynotes, my workshops, and my masterclasses in mental and physical health and well-being, woof, I really feel so blessed. Not to mention more and more people watching my live daily joys and my podcast and my books. <sighs> Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Now, speaking of I have your back, what does the mafia code have to do with loyalty, honor, self-respect, and dignity, etc.? Well, you might think, mm, I'm not really sure. Well, you're about to find out. Enjoy my next guest, Lou. Trust me, you're going to want to listen to it all the way through. Like it, share it, and rate it. Toodles, my friend. This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life. And as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. Oh my goodness. Before he speaks, before he speaks, we're going to get to see my next guest. I've told you about him. I get it. You're all pumped. You're all excited. I got questions out the yin-yang. We'll get to some of them. But before we do any of that, Lou, how the freak are you? Good. How are you? It's so good to see you. I know. I can't believe we scheduled this, what, eight years ago or six months ago this summer? When did we schedule this? It's been a while because I know I saw you not too, too long ago. I guess it was in the summer. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it's good to see you again. And thanks for having me on. Oh, I'm pumped. All right. Before we get into how we met, what's your one word? I need a word. I ask all my guests, one good, word. bad, or ugly, to best describe your past 30 days and why. <laughs> what would be your word? Can I use an F word? <laughs> you can, as long as you go F word. No, actually, it's fun. I mean, I've just been screwing around and doing what I want and going to traveling, and it's crazy. Really? This, this laptop lifestyle is a real thing. Who would have known it? <laughs> okay, so you said traveling. Where? Yes. Tell us more. Uh, last week, I went to New York City, which is always fun, for like Ooh. 24 hours. And I've been going, I went to Los Angeles about a month ago and saw some concerts and saw some old friends. So it's really, I mean, that's the fun thing about being working for yourself is I pretty much decide where I want to yeah. go, when I want to go. Yeah. And now that the kiddies are out of the house and all grown up and on their own, I'm like, oh my God, I've found all this sort of new freedom. 
Oh, that's right. You have twins, right? I have 25 year old twins. I think they're 25. How can they be 25? I was just 25. I want to know how was that? I mean, was it like all fun and games at times or was it like, (laughs) or both? I'll be honest with you. The first two years were like a blur of just no sleep and absolute, you know, chaos. We had to, I, I, I worked and lived in Los Angeles at the time and we were like launching a new cable network. So I'm like, oh great, I just gave birth to two kids. Now I gotta give birth to a, a TV network or whatever. So that was kind of crazy, but it all uh, settled down eventually. But yeah, those first couple of years, I'm like, oh my God, nobody, nothing can prepare you for twins. All right, and I don't know, are they boys and girls, girls? <laughs> one boy, boy, one girl, one boy, one girl. And do they get along? Yeah, so they get along well, yeah. That's great. Yeah. So. And now I just have um, two pugs, which is kind of like having two two-year-olds. But and I see them all the time on social media. Yeah, they get more they get more visibility than I do. <laughs> yeah, you love your pugs. They're way more popular than, than me online. So all our animals are. All right. Yeah. So before we dive into it, Lou and I met taking a speaking course, heroic public speaking together. We were in the same group. Mm-hmm. So when I told my friends that. And they looked at your background. The biggest question they had is, why did Lou want to do a keynote speaking course? That was the biggest question they had. That's a good question. Um, And I didn't at first. You know, when we went to that first public speaking thing in in, uh, New Jersey, I was like, I'll just go check it out because I haven't seen Mike. I've known Michael and Amy for many, many, many years back in the Book Yourself Solid Days, probably mm. a dozen years at least. So, and I hadn't seen him in a long time. So I'm like, oh, okay, I'll go to the speaking thing. I'll do a little networking. I think it was pre-pandemic, wasn't it? Right before yeah. that? Yeah. And um, so I had no intention of like, I don't want to be a speaker. I'm, I'm an introvert. I'm, I'm sh- you know, relatively shy. I don't like to be in front of a lot of people. But after s- hanging out with you and the rest of the gang for a couple of days, I was like, I want to, I want to be part of this. And I'll, honestly, a lot of it was the community because people like you, I'm like, oh, if I get to play with these folks for you yeah. know, a couple of years, then that's awesome. I, rem- I thought I remember you th- saying that, like that you weren't really thinking you were going to stay around. No, I mean, I, I was just like, it was basically, uh, it, it was an opportunity to, to, you know, to see some people catch up with Michael and Amy and I knew several people who were going to be there. So it was kind of like, oh, it'll just be a fun way. Because I mean, as much as I'm an introvert, I like to see my friends and my you know, colleagues um, a little bit at a time, you know, like two or three days is fine. And after that, I get burnt out. All right. So then what was it like being on stage for you? The first um, time? It was a little intimidating. I mean, it was, you know, it's, it's just not what I'm used to. I'm kind of used to, I do online videos. So I'm used to Zoom. I'm used to like looking at that little dot up there on the camera. But when you're in a live audience with people, and I had spoken before, you know, a lot, but I had spoken about video and video marketing, which is kind of what I do for my day job. And when I did the public speaking, I was going to talk like I'm going to talk about a whole different subject. I'm going to talk about, you know, growing up in an an Italian neighborhood and, and that whole kind of thing. So it was a total departure from what I was normally doing. And we loved it. I hope. <laughs> so, yeah, it was By fun. The way, Again, if you the, the get an opportunity, <laughs> if you get an opportunity to see Lou on stage, <laughs> it's a hoot. 
I mean, your humor, your timing, it's just magnificent. Oh, thanks. But that's not my thing. I I had to kind of, you know, lean into it a little bit. You you had a gentle nudge from yeah. People. So like you, I'm very reserved and very shy, you know, because I know you're also a very very quiet uh, wallflower kind of person, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> As I see you dancing on me. TikTok and Zoom, and like, oh, there's Sandy, because <laughs> you're like Listen. you show up. I mean, you show up the first day that we met. I was like, who is that chick with the sparkly sneakers, and you know. I think you had just sparkly sneakers on. <laughs> well, Lou, opposite of you. Yeah. At the time. Yeah. I love, love being on stage and entertaining. Yeah. Now, if I just had your timing and the two of us <laughs> could meet, it would be really, really awesome. But anything, I'll just get up there. And talk about anything. And yeah. like Michael Port said at the beginning, I was very entertaining, but it really wasn't making sense or flowing. <laughs> after a while, it was yeah. like, by golly, she's making sense. <laughs> yeah. I know. It was it was so much fun to see it all kind of come together with our group and how we yeah. really evolved. Um, but yeah, that's the nice thing about heroic public speaking is is uh, you get the bonus of the of the group and the community and, and folks who have become friends like you. So thanks. Yeah. All <laughs> right, you're gonna we're gonna dive right into it because I'm sure you get this question all the time. Mm-hmm. The Godfather. Yes. And you talk a lot about loyalty. Yep. And loyalty is the new currency. Mm-hmm. And you refer so much to the Godfather movie. <laughs> and, you know, me growing up in the Philly area, we have a no. different view of the mob. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's more intimidation and fear. Mm-hmm. But yet you put a whole different spin on it. Yep. Not only because of the Godfather movie, <laughs> but of your life. Right. So how they want to know and yeah. why are you using them mm-hmm. as the reference to loyalty? That's a really excellent question. And it took me a while to figure it out myself, but I, I tell the story about how I um, saw the Godfather when I was uh, 11 years old, when it first came out. And I was at a drive-in movie with my parents. and I, We were supposed to be asleep by that time, but I stayed up and, and I was like, oh my God, I know these people. These are the people I grew up with. So, um, you know. Is that true? You were supposed to be asleep? Yeah. I mean, like it, back in the day when they had drive-in movies, it's like yeah. sometimes they would show a kids or family movie. Oh, yeah. Show a, a, a rated R movie afterwards when the kids are supposed to go to sleep. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm looking up from the back seat saying like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, I feel like I could have been dropped into the middle of that movie and I would <laughs> sort of fit in. Because in my neighborhood, we were very, very, it was a very uh, mobby, <laughs> mafia-ish neighborhood because all the big, big wise guys lived in my town. And I went to school with their sons and daughters and stuff like that. So that's why it sort of just felt like, okay, this is, you know, this is like, feels a little close to home. 
Um, but what I took from it, honestly, was not so much like, okay, well, let's, you know, go whack somebody or break somebody's knees. It was really more about the, the family and the loyalty and the bonds. And, and back in the day, I mean, you know, when the, when the mafia first started hundreds and hundreds of years ago, it was really more about honor and loyalty and taking care of our own. So what happened was in, in Sicily and Naples, where my grandparents are from, um, the government and the church basically just, they wouldn't, you know, they didn't take care of the the less fortunate people. They were just like trampled on and had no, you know, no real support. So the mafia started as kind of this secret society to take care of, of people in the neighborhoods. So if you had a problem, you went to your, you know, local Don or whatever. It eventually, you know, got corrupted and, and turned into everything that it is and all that. But it started more as, as a... Um, uh, they used to call it the honored society. So, you know, honorable people take care of their yeah. family and friends. So, um, you know, what I took out of that is when I went to work in Los Angeles in the entertainment business, I'm like, oh, my God, this is like the godfather in real life because <laughs> <laughs> it was so ruthless and so crazy. And the people were like all mob bosses, basically the studio heads and stuff like that. I'm like, OK, well, I'm just going to fall into that role. So I can, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. So mm-hmm. let's back up a little bit and then we'll move on to Los Yeah, Angeles. I know I'm jumping around. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. So I get it. Like mm-hmm. many things, what it started out being, there was a lot of goodness and it yeah. took a little turn because we're humans. <laughs> do. I get it. Yes. But it's like politics, it's the same exact thing, you know. Yeah, it's in everything. And yeah. and I, I do believe like you, Lou, and I'm so I, I've heard you say it before, but this is the first time it really made sense to me mm-hmm. how it started. It was about protecting your own and family and loyalty and supporting one another. Right. And I'm so about that. And I, I do yeah. believe you're, you're right when you say it's the new currency. Mm-hmm. But growing up as a child and going with our kids to school, mm-hmm. were you ever scared? Or it wasn't that way? You it thought these totally, were your pals and your buddies? Totally, totally normal. My best friend's um, dad uh, went away for a while and then he came back, did his time and came back. And it was basically like, you know, you don't, you don't rattle your friends, you mind your business, you keep your nose clean and everything's fine. So, um, so I was never, you know, I mean, I was like always on the periphery, but you know, yeah. uh, close enough to like, Oh my God, this is just, it was normal. Um, I also tell the story about like, my mom used to take us to this restaurant where I grew up and then she stopped taking us. And I'm like, why can't we go to the pewter pot anymore? It's like, because a guy got whacked there in broad daylight. And like, I don't want to be at a restaurant when there are any bullets flying. So it's like, Eh, just another day in Medford. So, <laughs> and really, it was that like, yeah, we're just not going there. Yeah, can't go there anymore. So, <laughs> and even from your your parents, there mm-hmm. wasn't that fear of the mob being there and the mafia. It was just like, yeah, we're fine. They do their thing, we do our thing. Everyone's hunky dory. Yeah. yeah, and you know, we were um, Italian, and nobody ever bothered us because you know, my dad's his nickname was Big Louie. So they all thought he was in the mafia. I'm like, he works at a TV station. He's <laughs> but it's funny because like I had my bike got stolen one time 
And I'm like, oh, I'm never going to get that back again. And then the next day it was back because I think people thought, oh, my God, you stole the Italian kid's bike. You better bring it back or they'll have us whacked. Because <laughs> <laughs> your dad's Big Louie. Big Louie. Yeah, no, you don't want to mess with Big Louie. So anyway, he was not involved, but we were, you know. I get it. It was good to be Italian in your neighborhood. It wasn't a bad thing. No. So. Okay. So So I really resonated with like the Godfather and the whole idea of family and taking care of each other and loyalty. And it just kind of made, made sense. Okay. So (laughs) I know you probably answered this, but I don't remember (laughs) how many times, because I know how many times my husband watched it and he doesn't even have the same relationship. Yeah. How many times have you watched The Godfather? Um, the Godfather is 50 years old and I watch it, I would say, over 100 times. Sometimes I'll watch it three or four or five times in a year. So. And do you always get something new out of it? I do. It's really crazy because I'll notice little nuances and things that like, and, you know, like I say, the weird thing is I was using, like if I was in um, Hollywood and had a big, big meeting coming up the next day and like, oh my God, I got to negotiate. I got to do this. I got to do that. I would watch The Godfather the night before just to get psyched up for the, uh, for the festivities in, in Hollywood. So really? Yeah. Just so I could hold my own with all the other sharks that were, uh, you know, and did it work? Yeah. Yeah. I rose, you know, pretty quickly. Um, again, it was loyalty. I, I made my boss look good. I was fiercely loyal to my to my mm-hmm. supervisor, my boss, and I just moved up the ladder like pretty quickly. So Yeah, I was reading some of your stories <laughs> about being there. And one particular one, I thought, mm. Are you sure he wasn't fired for that? <laughs> I mean, unless I'm just losing my mind, it's something that you wouldn't do a rewrite for somebody. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was working at E! Entertainment Television, and um, this was a long time ago. There was a movie coming out, and we would do, like, you know, we would get the actors that were doing movies and do promos and things like that. So we were doing an interview with um, Nicolas Cage and James Caan. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to meet Sonny from The Godfather, James Caan. Caan! And... Jimmy <laughs> wanted me to, you know, wanted the, I was writing the promos and like, he's like, I don't want to read this, you know, rewrite it. And I'm like, I'm going to rewrite it. This is what we need to have it said. So <laughs> I felt like, oh my God, I just stood up to Sonny Corleone and lived to tell about it. But he was a really nice guy. I mean, he wasn't, you know, Jim. so I, you know, then I went through like my whole life thinking like, oh, you know, you can't boss me around. I, I told James Conn what to do. <laughs> I told Sonny, to, <laughs> I told Sonny to go fuck himself basically. <laughs> <laughs> no that is a huge story i mean come on that's a huge it's kind story. of one of those weird things that happens like how do you end up in these situations <laughs> so but what you're saying is you stood up and said yeah we're not rewriting it but it wasn't like he was kind about it like he was like yeah, yeah you know i mean a lot of those folks have egos and they they're not used to hearing the word no yeah yeah so <laughs> I saw that. I'm like, okay, I haven't you not have that story in your speech unless I missed it. No, I'm I, gonna, maybe I'll have to throw that in there. So, <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty big one, though. All right. I was just go. like starstruck and excited to meet him. I was, you know, so you still gave him pushback. Yeah, well, that's I was doing my job. 
Yeah. All right. The other one, and you touched on it. So I think we got this numerous times and it, by men and women. So we're going to, I always call them Billy Bob and Sally Bell for fake knees. But you mentioned how you were able to stand up for yourself and you, by watching the Godfather, it gave you courage mm-hmm. for some of these other sharks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the question is, and I know you probably need more details, but that fine line of how do you have loyalty for people that you mm-hmm. feel like don't have your back? Right. The they asked over and over, like you're working for people. Yeah. And you want to be loyal to them. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Like, if you don't feel like they have your back. Right. Well, I mean, it's a two way street because, you know, my boss is my boss took care of me. So I took care of him. And, you know, it was like we were, we were our little you know department was like a family and we stuck together. We, you know, um, went through a lot of stuff together. It was really more about like, OK, now we have to go negotiate with so and so or or now we're, we're meeting with this other studio and we want them to buy our production or our TV show. So, so within the department itself, we were really tight. It was only if somebody else tried to mess gotcha. with us that, that would start to, you know, pull the lo- play the loyalty card. So, you know, the reason that, um, again, I, I kind of um, moved up quickly because my company was growing fast and I was really loyal and people knew they could depend on me. Yeah. So yeah. I wasn't, you know, you just don't, if you're flaky, then forget it. You got to be like, you got to be solid. <laughs> so. so what happened? Why did you end up leaving? Run a um, different lifestyle? Because I had twins. <laughs> it's like my oh, life. Yeah, got twins. So that was part of it. Um, the other part is that my, my division, um, I worked for Fox Kids Network and some other things that got sold to Disney. And I knew I kind of saw the writing on the wall. I'm like, okay, well, we're, you know, we're getting sold to another company and it's a whole different ball game over there. So um it just seemed like the timing was right to to come back east where i grew up and have let my kids grow up with their cousins and grandmother mm-hmm. and grandfather and all that kind of stuff so i was like when all right came gotta... back is that when you went to work for yourself immediately not right away but pretty yeah pretty soon after that so i worked in i did you know more television and radio stuff in boston and it was kind of like ah eh, you know i did this 20 years ago so i decided to go off on my own and now you're the king of making videos, man. I mean, your videos stand <laughs> out, Lou. I had people I look up your stuff on the social media. Mm-hmm. And they're like, holy crap. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's what he does. Look at it. It's not like he, he's yeah, I've been like, doing it for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so they want to know how, mm-hmm. why. Where to post? I got so many. I oh, mean, good, what's good. the algorithm? I mean, where should they post their videos? How yeah. do they do it? I mean, by the way, he does have courses in it. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and for, for people who, you know, are introverts and don't necessarily like, I mean, I like networking to a point, but I get really, you know, like after I did our three days of HPS, I, I have to come home and roll up in a ball for a week because I'm peopled out. So video online video and social media is is ideal for introverts because i can sit here and i get to talk to you but i don't have to get on a plane and i don't Mm -hmm. have to you know i have sweatpants on with a hole in them but i'm only seen from here up so i'm good and and uh it's just a great um platform and format for people who don't necessarily who are not as outgoing as other people so because i can talk to the little you know i just have to look at the cameras right there 
and it's perfect. And I always tell folks, you know, mm. what when people say, well, you know, you do a lot of video, what do you do? How do you do it? It's like you let, you got to find what I call your video sweet spot. Like some people love doing live video. Some people love doing video podcasting like this. Um, I like to, you know, produce stuff behind the scenes and then post it. Um, some people like YouTube, some people like LinkedIn. So, you you know, you don't have to be everywhere. You just have to find out where where are you comfortable and where is your audience? So that's a good point, because I think. Like this one guy said, I feel like I'm supposed to be on every platform and I didn't think that was the case. So mm-hmm. I'm glad you said that, like find your audience and where they're spending the most time looking for you. Right. So, and you know, there's, you know, people like, oh my God, TikTok, Instagram, I have to be here. I have to be there. It's like, well, first of all, if you're in one place like YouTube, you can take that same video and put it in Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, whatever. And secondly, you don't even necessarily have to be everywhere. You just have to find your like core three platforms. So I, I focus mostly on Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn. And, you know, I do a little bit of TikTok, but all I'm doing is taking my YouTube video and reposting it to TikTok or Instagram. So I'm not reinventing the wheel there. Yes, Lou. Unfortunately, I was a little late in the game to realize you can just repost them and not redo them. And for a (laughs) year there, I was redoing it because I like go live on each one. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. It was one of your things because you don't you teach a course? Yeah. I mean, you know, that's one of the things is like when I talk about repurposing, I'm like, you know, if you go live on a third party app, like, um, which one do I use? Um, now the name's escaping me. It's so obvious live stream. Um, you, so basically any of these platforms like restream or whatever, if I do a live video, I can go live to Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, you know, at the same exact time. So I'm like, why not? hit everybody rather than trying to say, oh, I have to do LinkedIn over here and I have to do Facebook over there. So it's, you know, relatively easy to repurpose that stuff and, and look like you're everywhere, even though. Yeah. You know, you're, and the other thing is I'll do, I'll schedule stuff ahead of time. I mean, like this earlier this year, I went to Italy for three weeks and I had videos going every single day. So it was like, I was still there, even though I was screwing around. Yeah. Yeah. So is that difficult to do or it's the same thing? No, just- it's, it's, you know, again, it's like, just like, you know, if I schedule an email ahead of time, I can schedule a video ahead of time. So I knew I had stuff coming out twice a week that, that I had ready to post on Facebook or YouTube. So I could kind of like, you know, duck out of sight and still be online and still have visibility and still be, you know, basically mm-hmm. making money by selling courses and coaching and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's, that's where the video is like, I kind of call it like, oh, you can, you, you can clone yourself and you can have a whole army of little videos out there yeah. doing the work for you while you're off gallivanting around somewhere. And they don't even know it. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of my people that are doing podcasts now, they're, they've switched to StreamYard. Are you familiar with StreamYard? Yes. Yeah, that's the name. That's the exact one that I was thinking of, StreamYard. I just don't yeah, know why. COVID break, I forgot the name, but StreamYard, you can go live simultaneously to um, several platforms. And what's even better than that is you can do like what I call the Seinfeld effect, just repeat, repeat it. You know, like if I do a video on Monday, I'm going to repost it on Wednesday. I'm going to repost it on Saturday because not everybody's going to see it the first time. So I use StreamYard. That's a good point. I syndicate that content. Like I'm saying like, okay, I'm going to do a repeat. I'm going to run 
you know, how many times Seinfeld's on 18 different TV stations 10 times a day. So, and that show's been off the air for 20 years or something. So yeah. why not use the, uh, use that Seinfeld repeat, 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 repeat to continue getting exposure. You know, that's true. I was just at a conference for women in marketing and the woman up there said, you know, you guys are making it way too difficult. She started looking like every day there's a new post and a new thing. She's like, yeah. <laughs> I don't even do that. I make three up. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, eh, maybe that just works for her. But now you're telling me that's the way to go because you never yeah. know who's going to see it. Right. So I just, you know, use the same content. I mean, if it's got to be good content, obviously it all starts with like, all right, you have to be, have something that people want to see and something you know, that adds to whatever you're trying to do. So for me, it might be, oh, I'm going to show you how to do YouTube such and such. And I'll yeah. do a live video and then I'll repost that live video and rebroadcast it um, sometimes, you know, weeks afterwards because like, oh, well, all these people said they didn't see it or they want to see it again. Because, you know, Facebook, Twitter, all those things, they're sort of like a, a stream. And when my boat floats by, if you're not on the riverbank watching it, I want to give you another chance to see it. I don't know if this is true, but you're making me think opposite of what I was thinking before, which is it's more about the quality of it than the quantity. Yes, definitely. And I get confused about that because I hear people say, you got to post, 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 you got to post constantly. But what you're saying, yeah, but it could be the same quality content. Yes. Yeah. Um just to, you know, repost. Sometimes I'll do, the other thing I do is like, if I have a video that was kind of popular, I'll double down and do maybe do another yeah. one on that subject. Um, so again, I'm not creating, I'm trying to create good content and then making it readily available as often as possible rather than something new every day and scrambling to always make new content. So, well, Lou, I think a lot of people, including me, are going to be, you know, redoing their marketing plan. <laughs> Yes, it's really more about, um, you know, you got to be strategic. You don't want to just kind of throw it out anywhere. But I know like, okay, I have to, if I'm doing like I'm doing a course that starts next week and I'm using the same video to promote the course, I'm just, I'm posting it once a day on Facebook and I'm posting it like three times a week on LinkedIn or whatever. So it's really just about, you know, knowing the the strategy behind it. And that's where, where I, you know, what I really talk about most in my day job is marketing, video marketing strategy. Um, mm. I, I mean, I, yeah, I talk about what camera to use and all that, but it's really more about the strategy and having a plan. And, you know, my plan is, is basically to, you know, hit people over the head with it until they yeah. get it. But I mean, what is it? People say it takes seven or 11 times for people to see something for it to register. So I need to give them a chance to have it register. Well, you know what? I'm glad you brought that up because one of my friends said, Please ask Lou about, I just heard you have to see it 16 times. Oh my God, it's 16 now? <laughs> I don't know, before you push the button and I'm thinking, oh my God, that's a lot of times. That that reminds me of when you hear about how many thoughts you have a day. I just heard that you make 35,000 decisions a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Is that whack? Like that's imp- like what? Just bending my finger? Yeah. Like, you know? know. <laughs> right. So there's a lot, you know, I mean, there's a lot of noise online. So if you yeah. want to break through the clutter, you have to have something that's, you know, 
pretty decent quality, but more importantly, you want folks to see it until they kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, now it makes sense. And it's like people that take this to the extreme, it's like the crazy, you know, we just finished the, that political season. And I know where you are and where I am, every friggin' commercial on TV was a political ad. At all of them. Right. And they do that because in television and online, frequency works. As much as we hate it, we're so sick of the ads. <gasps> it's about you know, frequency. That's what we used to talk about in the old days of TV. It was advertising was all about reach and frequency. You got to reach the right people and you got to let them see it enough. So it registers. Oh my God. (laughs) And the thing is, I don't even watch TV that much, but even for sports, like with the Phillies, I was watching it. Right. And you you don't want to, there's one thing you don't want to (laughs) record. Like when you're watching the world series. Yeah. But it was like, Oh my God, I just can't anymore. It was unbelievable. So, right? yeah. All right. So how do you put this in, which I'm trying to figure out right now, but I think I got it. Here you are with video marketing and yep. branding. And then you got the Godfather and loyalty. <laughs> right. Do they work together or are they two separate things for you? It's kind of like a Reese's peanut butter cup, like chocolate and peanut butter wouldn't necessarily work together, but I'm... <laughs> I'm making it work together <laughs> because where I go with the um, the video and, and that kind of stuff is really about um, building relationships with your clients, yeah. building loyalty with your customers. Yeah. And it's really about engagement. And that's how I figure like, okay, well, if I can be authentic and be myself and I may drop the F-bomb every once in a while, but people will identify with it and they'll either like it or they won't. And you know, the expression that like, you may be too much for some people, but those aren't your people. So yeah, I get that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) But the more you put and I put my personality into our efforts online on podcasts on video, you know, the more people we're going to attract. And that's how I think, you know, you build loyalty. And that's where I make the connection between video and loyalty. No, I think it fits perfectly. And by the way, Reese's cup fits perfectly too. (laughs) Yeah. So all right, we need to go back. Leave the gun. Take, take the cannoli. Gun. Yeah. I love that title. Best line in the movie, I think. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Oh right. my <laughs> God. Yes. Yeah, so in the Godfather movie, uh, that's Clemenza's line, uh, played by an actor, Peter. Um, now I can't remember his name, but anyway. Um, so that line, believe it or not, was ad-libbed. It wasn't in the script. Oh. He was Italian and he knew that no matter what business you have to do, his wife told him not to forget the cannolis in this previous scene. So he had to take he had to take the cannoli. He's not going to leave the cannoli behind. I mean, that's so I, I look at it as like it's this sort of warped. The mafia's work-life balance is leave the gun, take the cannoli. Yeah, we had to just shoot this guy, but don't forget the cannolis in the back seat because my wife will kill me if I don't bring him home. <laughs> so that's just because in that society, in that in that thing, you know, the killing yeah. stuff had become so normal that it was like, oh yeah, don't forget the cannolis. So <laughs> I saw that in your, you know, I was like, wait a minute. I, yeah. I, I, I don't remember in The Godfather, but then again, I haven't seen 
repeated as many times. And also something that nobody knows about me, but I'm going to tell you, <laughs> I watch a movie and I don't remember. I watched the movie a month later. <laughs> so my husband and son always say to me, wow, it's like a whole new experience to yeah. you. Yeah. So. <laughs> so sir, <laughs> and I love that line. Is there any stories of you growing up in that neighborhood? You said your family was Italian. Yeah. That, like, I know you said you weren't scared, but is there any time or any story that you can remember that stuck out in your head mm-hmm. that had an impact on your life moving forward? <laughs> wow. That's a really good question. Um, I'm sure there are tons of stories, but some story that I mean, sticks I think one out, of the things like that, that I, an uncle said, something an aunt did, the neighbor yeah. that you're like, I'm going to remember that. Right. Um, well, I'll tell you, I know that um, my across the street neighbor who was one year ahead of me in school, um, you know, we knew that there was something going on at that house because like you'd see the Cadillacs at all hours and guys going in and out, and you know, big sort of typical mob looking across guys. the street. Right across the street. Yeah. So um, and then I just remember like, okay, that, you know, I would see this guy like every day. And then one day I didn't see him. I didn't see him for a week or a month or whatever. And I I didn't want to ask Louise, the across the street neighbor, because I was afraid, like, I just was embarrassed to ask her. But apparently um, this guy snitched on someone. And then, you know, I asked my parents, what happened to, you know, Mr. Villani? And they said, oh, he moved to Florida. Like, Uh I know what moved to Florida means now. So from that, I just got like, well, you know what? I'm going to mind my business and keep my nose clean and I'm not going to snitch and I'm not going to be a rat because I don't want to end up like the guy across the street. <laughs> so, and do you feel that same way to today? Yeah. I mean, I just try to, you know, um, keep my mouth shut. I mean, kind of it's like, you know, office gossip and stuff like that. It's like, I just, you know, I don't, I don't want to get in trouble by talking too much. So I, I say as little as possible. <laughs> See, that's a life lesson that stuck with you. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, it was like, like I said, like, oh, my God, the guy that my best, you know, what, not my best friend, but my friend from school's dad is gone. <laughs> He's just yeah, gone. He's just gone because he snitched. Right. Whereas my other friend who went to Florida to prison came back and everything was like normal after two years because he didn't rat. He did his time. He, he you know came back and he started right where he left off. He was just like a bookie or something, not like a hitman or anything, but, but, you know, he didn't snitch and he lived to tell about it. So those, those two examples are kind of like, all right, I better, <laughs> I better mind my freaking business. And So are you well. saying Lou, if we tell you secrets, you won't tell anybody? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Zip. Zip. Yep. All right. So the line. Oh, and it's like, it, but that's like the thing too, like with clients and NDAs and all that, I don't need paperwork because you have my word and that's enough. You know, I don't need to have an NDA or contract or something because if I say it, I'm not going to, you know, that's, that's the other thing that you know, from, from, you know, the Godfather and the whole Italian thing is like your word is, is gospel. And, you know, your reputation is, is, everything at the end of the day so it's like you know if you want to have a good reputation you gotta not screw up too many times no lou years ago i was very very fortunate when i started out in business that i had 
some amazing mentors and CEOs and CFOs of different companies that I trained. Mm-hmm. So they would treat me like Philadelphia's favorite daughter and pass on their business knowledge to me, which I felt like I should be paying them mm-hmm. because I-, I learned so much. Like I didn't go to school for business, but I mean, come on, it was built in. Yeah. And the thing that they taught me was the handshake deal. Mm-hmm. And they really drilled it in that if you are sitting there arguing over a contract, don't go into business with that person. Right. Because your handshake, that should be enough. You should look at them and know my words, my bond and move forward. Yeah. If you're sitting there having to go through and you're arguing, fighting, it's going to be a bad deal. You're right. not going to get along. Mm-hmm. And that's why I did business. Mm-hmm. You know, handshake deal, you're done. But here's the thing, Lou. <laughs> and I don't know if it's good or bad, but one time that out of all the business deals I did, somebody that I was I was thinking about your line, like friends close and enemies closer. Yeah. One of somebody I really, really loved in business, I did that handshake deal and I didn't back it up with the contract and it bit me in the butt. Yeah. Yeah. Never saw it coming. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like just really, and I had nothing in writing, not even on a napkin. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm thinking, yeah, that was a mistake, but I still don't regret the way I did business because there was more that worked out. Yeah. But yeah. And, and that's why even, have, in, even in the Godfather, yeah. you know, the consigliere was a lawyer. You got to have, I mean, you got to have the lawyers. And at some point, you know, obviously you're going to put things in writing. I'm just saying that, you know, if I, um, if I make, yeah, I think that wasn't a good decision. I'm not, like, I should have handshake deal, but let's write it down somewhere. Yeah, like, it's like trust but verify, right? So, you know, yeah, you know, I don't mind having the paperwork. I'm just saying that, you know, yeah, because otherwise you will. I mean, in business, obviously, we got to have yeah. the lawyers. So, yeah, I know. And I took it to the extreme, and I remember saying to them, "But you said handshake deal." They're like, "We didn't say not to get the paperwork. We just met." <laughs> Right. Go into business with someone that you believe that's the way it worked, but you need the backup. It's it's like my finance guy said, I'm not saying you shouldn't trust your employees, Sandy, but Mm -hmm. I wouldn't leave the lid off the cookie jar. (laughs) I remember that. Yeah, that's good. That's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's just. um, And that's the other thing is like, once that person burned you, like they're out of your life. So I look at it like, oh, all right, well, I paid this much money to have that idiot out of my life. Ooh. Because like, what do they say on Shark Tank? The guy always says, uh, you're dead to me. Yes. (laughs) yes. Evan O'Leary, another Massachusetts native always says, well, you're dead to me. You're dead to me. That's it. I'm done. You're out. Right. (sighs) Why? are 77% of brands, they disappear and nobody cares about them. You know, I I read that. I know that's an unbelievable statistic. 77% of brands, almost eight in 10 brands could absolutely go away tomorrow and no one would care. Um, I mean, can you imagine if like Nike, like wasn't a brand anymore or Coke or so I think it's just because there are, there are so many choices now and, the consumer is more uh, is smarter because of the internet. And, you know, I can go on Amazon and look at the reviews before I buy something. Yeah. So 
Um, so brand loyalty in a lot of ways is, is gone. And that's why it's so much harder. And you have to make that personal connection to, to build that brand loyalty. So, and there are very few, you know, I, I don't know, there are like Apple, like I've never not bought an Apple computer. They have brand loyalty because they've kind of earned it. And um, yeah. yeah, if I go to the, um, the Mac store, I know that, you know, the, most of the time the, they're going to help me out and fix it. And they're, you know, so, but unless you have that connection, um, then there's no loyalty, that personal connection. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about you where the local coffee shop we have, and, and they have three of them, and mm-hmm. the kids love working there, and the owner's so nice, and he treats the employees with respect mm-hmm. and kindness, and he's not going to ask them to do something he's not going to do. And so right. the kids, even after they go off to college, will come back there and visit. And mm-hmm. it's the loyalty of we have each other's backs and they don't want to screw one another over even though it's not like you know it's this high paying job you know you're working at a a local coffee shop he has three but he's really loyal to his employees not just the clients and you Mm -hmm. i know you think that's huge yeah yeah right and what you said before is i'll never ask you to do something i wouldn't do myself i mean when i worked in in Los Angeles and I had a pretty big department about 25 people and I think that you know I had their loyalty and we had each other's backs because I would do the same stuff that they would do we'd have to like before big trade shows would have to like oh we have to make these goodie bags and we have to have an assembly line and like you know I don't I didn't go out to dinner with all the other execs I stayed with my my troops and (laughs) did what they yeah so those are the little things that you know kind of build that loyalty or just invest in your employees and they will um, pay you back with loyalty. I agree because I, you know, I was in the fitness business, I owned health clubs and it's not like most of them, this is their career. Some of them it was, and we didn't really have that much turnover as much as other people, but I loved them. I mean, I would have done anything for them. I mean, they were, they were really part of, I mean, my family. Yeah. And I, I never thought it, of as as loyalty until I was reading your stuff and watching. I, I never told you this, mm-hmm. but I remember you talking about it up on stage at HPS, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, okay, I'm a good boss. They, yeah. they pay them well. I like, but really, the loyalty came because I was loyal to them too. Yeah, it's definitely a two way street. You know, I tell that story about how. Um, Wegmans has really low turnover and great employees. Like they take their their deli guy and send him to France to to take cheese courses. You know, it's like no, 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 no. Yeah, and um, so they send you know like oh, okay, well you know if you're going to work in our deli, you need to really be a, a cheeseologist. So we're going to send you to France so you can learn everything you need to know about cheese. Wait a minute, I be a cheeseologist. <laughs> yeah, I think I I might want to get a job at Wegmans. Um, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, especially now, like this whole quiet quitting, great resignation thing. If yeah. you want to, you know, not have your folks leave for a, a different job, you gotta, you gotta show that you actually give a crap. So maybe it's a good thing because people are going to actually give a crap a little more. We hope. Yeah, yeah. So, but that's how this whole, like, especially with the pandemic and the, the great resignation and all these people leaving their jobs. It's like, well, how do you hold on 
to good people because now like my uh, 25-year-old twins both work and have big corporate jobs. They have never worked in an office ever. They went right from college to remote work, 100% remote. So how do you wow. feel guilty when, when you're spread out all over the country and you're not at the next cubicle or seeing somebody at the water cooler every half hour, you know? I don't know if I'd like that, Lou. That would be hard. Yeah. I, I mean, they, I think they're really missing something, but, but I, you know, my point is the employer has to work that much harder to yeah. use their loyalty because they're not seeing them every day and they're not going to lunch with them. I mean, I yeah. went to, I went to lunch with my boss three times a week. It was like, we were, I, right. I it's so much easier. I commuted with him. I mean, you know, he would pick me up on the way to the office and we'd drive in together. So like, we were like, you know, thick as thieves. Yeah, you're right. I wonder what they will do. Like, how do you create that loyalty if everyone's remote? Right. Well, I mean, you know, those employee retreats become that much more important. And I know that even with the remote, like my daughter's company, they'll have um, meetups and they'll, um, you know, all right, well, we're going to at least twice a month, we're going to come into the office and meet for cocktails or whatever. So, but it's not, it's not the same as it was, you know, when we were coming up. Yeah, that's true. You know, nine to five, you go to work, you do your thing, and that's that. Lou, I'm sitting here, and it's driving me crazy. And I've gotten in almost everything I wanted to ask you and most (laughs) of the questions from the people. But if I'm wrong, just tell me. But Mm -hmm. something about a mailbox Oh, the mailbox. <laughs> and I was like, oh, please let him tell the mailbox story. And I was like, well, maybe it wasn't Lou. Maybe it wasn't Lou. No, it, uh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Can you please tell the mail? Is, I call it the mailbox story. I don't well, know what you Well, you know, when we were going through HPS, public speaking, um, we were taught to, like, I have these um, post-it notes. And we I had post-it notes up all over the wall. And I was yeah. remembering stories from growing up. It's like, okay, you have to have stories you have to have stats you have to have you know all these different pieces yeah. of, of a keynote speech and when I was thinking of the stories like I had completely forgotten about that and all of a sudden I'm thinking oh my god that lady down the street that that yelled at us all the time and called the cops on us and then I remembered that what happened was um the shortcut to my friend's house was sort of through this lady's kind of backyard but it wasn't like you know garden or anything it was just like kind of a hill they were trampling flowers <laughs> No, no, no trampling roses. But anyway, we cut through the ladies' yard. We felt like, oh, that's our yard. I mean, we needed to get back and forth to our friend's house. And at one point, the lady was kind of grouchy. She wasn't Italian, so she wouldn't have done this probably. If she was um, and um, yeah, she called the cops and the cops came and scared us away and, and you know, gave us kind of a scare. So I decided to, to send her a message about I was not, did not appreciate having the cops called on me. So... Oh, God. Total coincidence. I find a, a dead mouse in the gutter. I don't think it was a rat. I think it was a mouse. And I decided, well, I'll put it in her mailbox just to kind of send her a message that we don't like to be ratted out. Or in this case, moused out, I guess. <laughs> so I, I was like, oh, this is so cool. And then I was like, I don't know, eight or nine years old. And I go back and I made the mistake of telling my mother. And she had like kind of a thick Boston accent. She said, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, go get the goddamn mouse out of her mailbox. She'll give the old battle axe a heart attack. You know, like thick Boston accent. 
Uh, oh, wait a minute. Did you have to get it out? I went to get it out, but it was already gone. <laughs> she must have got it. You never called the cops on us ever again after that. She, <laughs> like, we but did she message. never said anything to you? Did you still cut through the yard? Yeah. <laughs> wait a minute. Okay. Now that was the story. But what I forgot to ask is why did you tell your mom? I don't know. I just thought I was like, I was so full of myself. Like, hey, I taught, oh, I taught, I taught Mrs. So-and-so. You know, your mom was going to be way to go, Lou. Yeah, she was, she didn't appreciate it. So. You think? So I think like secretly she thought it was funny, but she knew that I needed, she needed to tell me that, you know, that's not nice. Go get it out of the mailbox. But by the time I got back to the mailbox, it was too late. So, <laughs> so, I mean, it's not like in the, in the Godfather, there's a scene where, um, you know, they put the horse's head in the movie producer's bed to get sent. Oh, yeah, I, I remember that. So that was my version of, of the, the horse. horse's head. <laughs> I didn't have access to it. Down a bit, you know? Yeah. So do you really think it was an influence from your neighborhood? Like, I'm going to teach her a lesson? So she never does this to it? She she ratted us out. I mean, like... Oh, that's right. She was a snitch. Yeah. You don't do that in our neighborhood. So... (laughs) But I don't know. I was just being a a dumb kid, but I just thought it was was funny. I, I was remembering all these things from, like, I'd completely forgotten for 30, 40 years, and then... Oh yeah, the mailbox thing. <laughs> so, yeah, and you know what? Did you like I was saying? Did your friends think you were cool for doing that? Like, yeah, Lou. Yeah, I'm sure they yeah. egged me on. So, yeah, you were the hero. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, Lou, I'm so glad that I got to have you on and just tell a little bit more of your story of how the loyalty with the Godfather, with how you grew up and how it combines with marketing video, because it all makes sense to me now. Yeah. It's a little bit of a stretch, but you can definitely make them, make them. No, no, I get, I really do. I understand it way more than I did at HPS. And you're right. I mean, the the things that you took from it are Mm -hmm. values that we all should have. Yeah. Without the, you know, breaking of knees and stuff. So leave that part out. (laughs) Without the intimidation. I get it. Right, right. Although I do like that you practiced and watched (laughs) The Godfather before you went into a big meeting. I would just check. Yeah, I'd have to psych myself up, you know. So that's how I... (laughs) And that's one of the reasons I watched it so much. Like every time I watched it, I thought, oh, I'll do the... I'll try the such and such method or I'll do what the consigliere did. And Did you really? Yeah. I just thought, like, to me, the Godfather movie was a, like, a, or the Godfather book was a business book. <laughs> so. No, you're joking. No, no. You're, yeah. It's, no. It's great, great. But you would business. refer to it. Yeah. You know, keep your friends close and your enemies closer and never tell anyone outside the family what you're thinking. And, of course, I'm going to make them an offer you can't refuse. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> there are a lot. Of, I, I don't think I would ever would have said this before but i just might read the book (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's an interesting uh which is upstairs on my yeah loves i can't wait for him to see it he love love loves the godfather (laughs) all right lou i'm gonna ask you a few rapid fire questions you ready all right the ones that they definitely 
were like at the hit. Like I usually have 25 I look at wow. and then they picked a few. Okay. You only got a few. One quality that you have that you believe makes you a successful leader. Wow. Um, I just, um, in fact, Michael Port said it many years ago, and I still think of it today. Business is about making commitments and keeping commitments. So I keep my commitments and I do what I say I'm going to do. That's the, that's the secret. And Michael just, you know, sort of echoed that when I heard him say that a lot. I mean, I remember that from like 10 years ago, he would say that. He'd probably still say the same thing today, making commitments and keeping commitments. That's a good one. Of all the mentors you have, mm -hmm. who would be on the top of your list? Oh, that's easy. My dad. Wow. Mm -hmm. I mean, I went into the same business as him. He was in the television business and that's what I did. So I knew from a pretty early age, I want to do what my dad does. I mean, I, he was a designer and stuff like that. So I, I don't do that, but I did, I went into the same industry. Wow. Yeah. Are you friends with anybody from childhood to this day? Childhood. Yeah. I just saw uh, my friend from high school Sunday. Mm -hmm. Do you talk about neighborhood stories? Yeah, we actually talked about um, a friend of us who's still in jail. Okay, then. Um, like, oh, did, did Brian get out yet? <laughs> ah, good times, good times. Oh, yeah. Are you doing what you went to school for? Um, more or less. I mean, I was a communications manager at, at Boston College. So um, I'm not like doing the TV stuff that I studied, but it's, it's all video. It's all on, it's all on yeah. screen. Yeah. And you know, like our kids, they don't make distinctions between a, an iPhone and a big TV and an iPad. It's all just screens to them. Oh, that's true. So I guess you could say, you know, you, online video is not that much different than the TV business. So that's true. That's true. Okay. What's the biggest challenge you have daily in your business? Wow. Um, for me, it's focus because I have ADHD and <laughs> trying to actually work on something like a keynote speech for a given amount of time. So, yeah, keep it on. Okay, this is a wackadoo one. Mm -hmm. Do you have a reoccurring dream that you remember vividly? I always, always have this dream that I'm at um, where my dad worked at WBZ in his office in Boston. For some reason, it's like, oh, my God, every dream is with my dad at WBZ. Really? Yeah. It's so weird. Over and over and over again. So it's a happy dream. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it's not like a scary like, you know, it's more like, uh, hey, we're you know, like you, I'm about to go get the best milkshake ever at the cafeteria. And then I wake up before I get to have the milkshake. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. This you kind of answered, but what was it that you liked the most about your childhood? Um, you know, I mean, looking back now, we didn't have iPhones and all that stuff, just that we we went out and played and explored and got in trouble and built tree houses. And I think there was a certain amount of freedom that maybe kids today don't 
have or not the same kind of experience. Like, you know, we did stuff. Yeah. yeah. We didn't play video games. We yeah. went out and climbed trees and, and had ch- we had chestnut trees in my yard. So we'd have chestnut fights like those guys would go over there would all pay, you know, peg each other with chestnuts and stuff. So we did stuff. The things we did, like, like pummeled each other with rocks from the top of the hill. How are we still alive? <laughs> we get away with it. All right. What is one of your favorite things you like doing in your spare time? Um, when I came back from Italy after seeing all the best business scooters, I bought um, a little scooter. Oh, you did? And I've been like every afternoon when I can't look at the computer anymore, I take my scooter. I'm, I live like three miles from the beach. So I drive up and down the coast on my little scooter and pretend I'm an Italian. Pretend I'm driving down the Italian Riviera or something. <laughs> so that's oh a new, God. that's a relatively new um, hobby. <laughs> Wait a minute. I was just... I- I just watched, I think, it's, is it called White Lotus or whatever? It was oh, yeah, yeah. It's in, it's in Italy t- with a scooter. Yeah. So I, that, that was the little piece of Italy that I brought home with me. <laughs> That's a fun piece. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're going to leave on this one. All righty. Do you have a morning routine, like something you do every morning to get yourself into the day, psyched up? Uh, coffee and email. <laughs> Oh, yeah. not, really a good, not really a great morning routine, but I mean, um, and honestly, the, the pugs, you know, the, the dogs wake me up and um, we have a, a pug, a relatively new pug, Regina, and um, she'll like literally walk on your head because she wants to eat. So like little pug paws all over my forehead in the morning. So. That's okay, right. why pugs? I mean, I love animals. Why did you pick? I don't know. Pug? Like, well, we got a rescue pug, you know. 10, 12 years ago. And ever since then, we've been like pug people. Um, okay. So they're funny and they're stubborn and they have a lot of personality. So. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Wait, they're funny? Yeah. They just do the funniest, weirdest things. They make funny noises and they, you know, pee standing up on their hind legs. I mean, it just, they do all kinds of wacky stuff. So. All right, Lou. They keep you amused. Before we go, first of all, thank you. I'm so glad <laughs> this you. worked out because I had it for a different date and then the guide, it, it all worked together. Mm-hmm. I want you to tell us every which way we can find you for the marketing video, if they mm-hmm. want to book you for keynotes or workshops. Tell us everything. Okay. If you want to see the, um, um, we did speaker reels, remember that? It was fun, right? Uh, if you want to see so the video fun. of my, Keynote, that's at loubortonespeaks.com. And everything else, all the video stuff is just at loubortone.com. And I'm Lou Bortone on all the socials. Do you do courses in the marketing video or do I, I see do. that on LinkedIn? Yeah, I do a lot of courses. You can find those at loubortone.com as well. Things, you know, on YouTube or Facebook Live and things like that. Um, what tools to use. And can stuff. individuals book you or is it only yeah, corporations? I have, I have several um, private clients that I work with. So mm-hmm. yeah. that would be fun. I could see you being a blast. All right, my let's keep it real people. Thanks, Sandy. It real. He was fun. Great. <laughs> we had a blast. This is what I want you to do. Share it and like it with as many people as you can. Lou, you would appreciate that, right? 
Yes. I would appreciate that. Yeah. We'll put it on all platforms. I'm sure Lou's going to play with it. And you know <laughs> what I'm going to say? Until next time, toodles. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, keep spreading the positive.